0: It is time to head north, and I am Natasha Ryan with The North Group. Thank you so much for joining us. Super excited today. I have the head of physical security of Microsoft, Brian Tuscan, on with me. Thank you so much. I know you're a busy man. I appreciate you taking the time out this morning, Brian.
1: Well, thank you for having me on your podcast.
0: Well, I'm so excited to get into the meats and bones of all of it, but just really quickly, uh, I'm the VP of Communications, uh, news background, why I host our podcast. Brian, why don't you share a little bit about your background and how you got to the role you're in?
1: So my background started off in law enforcement. I was in policing for 12 and a half years, and I did a bunch of stuff, cool stuff, from patrol to patrolling the mean streets of Waikiki Beach and Honolulu. I was a cop there. That was one of my favorite duties. I was on the SWAT team, so I had tactical experience. Then I lateraled over to the beautiful state of Washington for the Redmond Police Department, where I was a detective most of my time. I did undercover work. I was part of the FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force, which was a blast, Uh, did a lot of interesting stuff as a detective, um, major crimes. And after doing that for eight years, I had an opportunity to work in the corporate sector, which was a huge risk. I left that mid-career. Yeah. 12 years uh, on the books in the police department, and I moved over to the Microsoft Corporation as an investigator, but over the years, I moved my way up to the top job as the head of security, physical security, chief security officer uh, for the corporation and haven't looked back, absolutely love it.
0: So you are big on having conversations about going from cop to corporate. So what enticed you, what did Microsoft do to get you to say, okay, I'm going to end my law enforcement career and go into private security?
1: What excited me was the ultimately untapped uh, new world, new new adventures from just policing. I had done a lot in policing and looking at the corporate sector, understanding in the private security world, which is much bigger than the uh, law enforcement and military, that I could do different stuff. And so that's what drawn me to leave law enforcement at mid career. And I was at an inflection point. I was a senior detective, I was doing all kinds of great investigations, but there was this burning desire that I could do more. And Microsoft offered that opportunity to me. And I've been here for 22 years, never looked back.
0: How, oh, if, oh. if someone is thinking about, you know, because we often talk about this the typical route is to go military, you know, law enforcement. I don't think a lot of people would think to go into private security right away. So for younger kids that want to to have their foot in some sort of security capacity, how would you not sell private security, but what would you say to them to keep in mind when they're, when they're starting off picking what career field they should go into, not field, but the lane.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because the private security world has expanded to an actual profession it's it's a well-defined profession a lot of people just think of private security as security guards shaking doorknobs and making sure people are safe to get to their cars that's not what security is it's all-encompassing it's risk it's enterprise risk it's uh, crisis management it's a bunch of stuff so to answer your question i would tell someone that is interested in the physical security, private security side of the house, you don't need a military or law enforcement background. There are college courses out there, there there are degrees, there are certificates. I I would recommend going the certificate route with uh, organizations such as ASIS. Uh, There there are other organizations out there if you wanna go from a a global perspective, just look at your your regions, but ASIS is the, the gold standard And then really figure out what you want to do Uh, and then take those skill sets within the private sector. Get a mentor, somebody that's working in an area you want to work for and, uh, you know, start applying.
0: We taught I just did a podcast uh, with my friend Bill Peeler from PGI on mentoring and reverse mentoring and how important that is when you step into the industry and kind of getting things into the wing. So I'm squirrel trailing, but anyways, let's go back. So what can the industry do? Do you think as a whole to make sure, you know, 20 somethings realize that private security is indeed a choice right out of the gate. What can the industry do to recruit, educate, what do you where do you think we're missing the the chance to get more talented people into the into the sector?
1: I think more exposure to the discipline in the industry. Back to ASIS, they have the Young Professionals, Young Security Professionals Organization. I'm sure there's uh, other groups that that do that. But getting the word out it's much easier now where you have social media, LinkedIn and uh, other platforms where you can show showcase what you can do or what this industry is about. So I would just say continue doing that. And it's also up to the, the student or the young professional that wants to get into this industry to do their homework and research it on, just like they would if they wanted to be a CPA or engineer. Same, same thing. It's just the, the industry is, is very broad and joining an organization such as ASIS and, and others can help at least give you that uh, that edge to to understand our industry.
0: All right, now let's flip it. Let's talk about people getting ready to retire, but they don't wanna get their foot out. You know, What advice would you give someone like that?
1: So twofold, if you're in the military, You do have a competitive advantage over public safety because the military, you sign up contractually for three, four years and you can get honorably discharged and find life after the military fairly easily in public safety, specific to law enforcement. You got to put in at least 20 years, 25, 30 years, and then you retire. That's, that's how it always been. I had, If you follow me on LinkedIn, I put in a survey to see if what people thought, if you you could create the same thing for public safety. And overwhelmingly, I think it was 80% felt cops should have the same option to sign up for like four years and then just honorably discharge from law enforcement to going to the private sector. That's not the way it is today. So my advice I would give to people that are in law enforcement that are looking uh, to retire, you get your pension, you can move on. But most of the people I talk to that follow me, they're at mid-career and they were where I was at my 12 year mark saying, there's so much more I can do. I'd like to take a shot and take a chance. And that that's why I blog about it. There, there's hundreds of us officers that made the change that are talking about it, blogging about it. And I would say, reach out, find a coach or mentor, uh, go on LinkedIn and um, just start your relationship and networking there.
0: You know, you are heading up physical security from one of the most recognized global companies. Um, I would be, it it would be a fault of mine if I didn't ask when you sit at your desk, sometimes do you go, wow, I, I accomplished something big. What, what do you love about the position you're in? And, you know, Is it, is it at times a lot, I'm sure, or do you say, wow, I've done it, I've made it. What's it like getting to the job that, that probably a lot of guys or gals listening want to achieve?
1: Yeah, there there are times I have to take a step back and pinch myself and go, wow, I really accomplished something amazing from moving up the ranks. It's an unusual trajectory. But I also feel worthy of the position because I had sat in every other position as I was moving up the ranks. It's akin to those executives, say at Walmart, that were pushing carts as uh, teenagers. And then they just took jobs more and more. And before you know it, they're they're running huge uh, operations as vice presidents and senior vice presidents. And that's kind of what I did. So I had this specific confidence in my abilities and my body of work that when i was given the opportunity to run the organization competently and functionally i had that confidence but what is more important is being a leader and understanding how to bring your team together to deliver on all of our initiatives and projects as a leader not not as a dictator and and just you know leading by yeah. fear a lot of people lead by fear and i'm more of a i would i would say a benevolent leader, but I hold people accountable and I want them to have the autonomy to get things done. And so that that is quite important as as an executive. I spend most of my time on leadership and how how can I get people to that next step? I I look at all of my senior uh, leader and directors that work for me globally as co-CSOs. And I feel all of them could sit in my seat one day or at other companies. And I try not to get a big head, be really humble about it. I'm just a steward in this position. One day I'm gonna retire and someone else is gonna take over. I'm just a steward. I wanna do the best that I can do. But My ultimate goal is the legacy. What kind of legacy can I leave behind with the people that work for me to continue the great work that we do here, especially in the physical security technology space? How do we innovate? That is the legacy. When I leave this- uh, Look
0: at you transitioning the conversation into our next question. You should have been in the news business, Brian.
1: Uh, Yeah, actually, you you could. Why aren't you in the news business, Natasha?
0: <laughs> I, I retired from that business. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, so speaking of, let's get into it now since you brought it up. The synergy between physical security and technology. You just did- a recent article on this this is something we talk about all the time Um, how important it is to view it as synergy and not competing right not being afraid that ai is gonna gonna take your job so let's talk about where you see the biggest synergy in 2023 where do you see the biggest capabilities coming together and really infusing in in our industry
1: first and foremost as a physical security lead Uh, executive, we need to focus on physical security operations, the operations of protecting our employees, the kinetic threats that are physically could impact our people, our locations, our customers and clients. That's what we have to focus on, life safety. Anything technology related, we need to rely on strategic partners. So we have a whole cyber team, an engineering team, that does the magic behind the scenes, we come up with requirements because we understand what we need. So when I talk about physical security technology, it is with people that know what they're doing. It's partners. We're we're providing robust requirements and, and we're tweaking things. So I see the convergence, and that's kind of an old term where you converge physical security and cyber together because they're interdependent. You can have the best cyber security in the world, but if somebody can get in through the back door physically and affect a server or data center, yeah. well, you're going to have problems. So you have to have to work together. We have a very strong relationship with the cyber team and the network team and in, uh, engineering, and I think we have built a remarkable partnership and collaboration to how we deliver security and safety, leveraging technology. So that article I inked for the uh, International Security Journal was about what did I think the future of security in the next 12 months is going to be. And it was really about how we've taken all of these data points. So when you talked about AI, just information, there's just trillions of data points out there. How do we make sense of all of it? And that's where the AI and machine learning comes in, where it could take all of that data, make sense of it, and then bring it up for our operators to look at and understand where the risks are to our portfolio. Where do we focus resources to uh, the, the, the Microsoft campus and employees and traveling? And so without that partnership with the cyber team, we would be hard pressed to deliver at the level that we're delivering now. So I would encourage anyone out there to have a strong partnership and relationship with their cyber teams.
0: What are some of the biggest challenges coming up in 2023 for the security industry?
1: I would say political unrest, uh, you know, geopolitical issues. If, and I'm going to talk about physical security, obviously cyber is at top of mind, but from a physical yeah. security perspective, you have this dynamics of, of, of risk. You have insider threats and, uh, just being prepared to where employees feel safe coming to work. No one wants to come to work if they can't even walk to the building without getting harassed or some sort of incident happening. So you have to create an environment. Now, geopolitically, if you're in an area that is inundated with crime, as a security group, we could just work closely with law enforcement, but the city or the government's going to have to help and protect. Employees coming uh, and going—that's outside of our purview—and then throw in the hybrid work environment with home-based employees. Correct.
0: I was just going to bring that up.
1: How, how do you how do you ensure that employees are safe while they're working at home, while they're on the clock? I think eventually it it might turn into something maybe akin to the GDPR, where it's regulated. Where if somebody's working from home, they're going to have to have some sort of uh, physical security uh training or protections because you you're you're working i'm not sure where that where that's going to end up but as a security lead for physical uh for on the physical side there are so many things you think about risk and how do you mitigate risk but ultimately to kind of unpack everything i talked about is ensuring our employees feel safe so they can deliver um, uh, the the best services and software for our customers
0: so you are a leader, you're a global leader in the security sector. So I want to ask you this. When we we've talked a lot about this at conferences and in panels and on podcasts. You know, it's so funny the perception of the industry, right? And and what it looks like as far as EP agents being the good-looking tough guy in the black suit and then, you know, the status quo security guard, people think of someone just going around a mall, but the security industry is so much bigger than that and it's not always the glitz and and I just how do we how do we get the realistic perception so that people understand what the security industry entails
1: i would say just continue as security professionals to professionalize the discipline doing our job really well and being recognized as providing a valuable service you're not going to change perceptions of security industry right if you just look at movies who dies first the security guard they're the first ones that get taken out right because they 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 just assume they're sleeping behind the you know the the monitors right and doing nothing the industry has tons and millions of highly competent even if even at the security guard level the profession so i think just continually uh doing the best that we can in all areas of security. So it's broad. You mentioned executive protection, but it's beyond just protecting an executive. It's how do you protect an environment when you have guests and customers? So it's risk mitigation. You have uh, workplace violence. So you need professionals that are on the team that can understand how to be threat assessment professionals to identify certain behaviors that can bring risk into the corporation investigations uh, background screening it, operations there, there are just tons of areas in the physical security discipline i would just say in my opinion the the better that we do in the industry it will be recognized more and i'll give you an example and i believe it was the wall street journal that had an article or even even a, a video podcast where they talked about a corporation had an intelligence unit that predicted the Russia invasion of Ukraine. And they were talking about, because you have OSINT, open source intelligence that is out there. And there's just millions and millions of data points where you're able to tell a story. And then the national security, CIA intelligence agencies rely on, you know, the 1% of the compartmentalized information but you've got private security being able to just use open source data to predictively uh, analyze things that will happen and, and of risk that is of value and it that was recognized at one of the biggest news agencies out there and so i think private security or corporate security is is getting uh recognized for the professionalism that we bring and the value that we bring to corporations.
0: That is such a good conversation piece. And because I will say, you know, I think one of the I when I first started, I thought it was a detriment. And now I think it's valuable to have someone that's outside of it. So, you know, you and I, you know, my background, I was a news anchor, so I was not security and coming in as an outsider, I'm able to say, well, that's not how we see it or I didn't know that. And one of the things that I think has surprised me since I started in this sector is how valuable Intel is from private security companies. I mean, I just, I did not know how useful we could be to government entities. And now I get it because, you know, we did predictive analysis of Ukraine at the North Group and it was, you know, our intelligence team looked and 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 analyze things and i was just kind of in awe because i'm coming in watching this and it's it's a really cool thing and i noticed that as i start talking about this funny side note my dad was a fighter pilot in the air force and now i hear all about his side of it right like intel stuff and it's just it's really cool to see all of that collaboration you know that happens between government and private and law enforcement and if if we could all do that on a more regular basis and that becomes more of even more of a norm right in in every part of especially here in the united states just how much more effective you know the intel could be so i'm glad you brought that up but i want to go back to something we were talking about the extraordinary talent in the industry you know it's funny because i'm about to we're talking to a person that does executive protection with an mba So the misnomer that, you know, security is just security is so, so false. I mean, you deal with really intelligent people who have seen much more than the average person. So with those candidates available and you having to carefully select who you bring in, especially on the leader front, what do you look for when you hire someone?
1: Well, there are many things you look for and. Aside from just pure competence, a lot of people have all the competencies that you need. They have the educational requirements, uh, background and experience, the competencies to to do the job. It's really your body of work and the fit within the organization that you have. I, I always use professional sports as a great analogy where let's just use the NFL where you have the most remarkable talent on one team, but for whatever reason they don't gel and they don't win. Yeah. And it's all about that team. It's no different in the corporate corporate world and in the security world. And so, how do you bring the right people within the uh, the right talent with within the organization? And diversity is is huge. We don't just hire ex-cops or, or former military. We have a diverse pool of talent that come through because you want to have a, a diversity of thought, a, a diversity of just uh, experiences within the organization. So that that's really important. But uh, from from a leader, I really look for diverse candidates, diverse experiences, and what you what can you bring uh, to the table beyond just if you got a PhD or you know more degrees right. than a thermometer. What did you do with that education? Show me something tangible. Did did you build something or did you run a project or a program in your previous life that can help positively impact my organization that I have today? That's what I really look for
0: what have you seen you know you've been there 22 years i think you said what have you seen as far as like year zero to year 22 the increase in diverse applicants i mean what's it like to see that grow how much work do we still need to do thoughts on that
1: so the industry security industry still has a lot more to, to go and grow in the diversity space, especially with women in security. So ASIS, uh, SIA, OSAC all have women in security councils, which I um, am a part of, or at least know about them and introduce myself. When we have applications that go out, you have to focus on a demographic that you wanna expose opportunities to, and it's just given a fair shot to a broader group. But the the industry really lacks women in security. So I'm made a focus to start having people um, reach out from my team and not just go to the usual areas for recruiting. And we've been highly successful uh, uh, re- recruiting diverse candidates. And so... Uh, I also belong to the International Organization of Black Security Executives, which is an amazing organization that's been around for at least 30 plus years. And finding that diverse talent uh, is really important and not just looking at the same areas to recruit from. So that's, that's quite important for me and Microsoft.
0: And just so you know, if you're listening, watching, you know, Brian did sponsor a Women in Security event this past year when Carmen Best came and spoke. So he walks the walk. He doesn't just talk the talk. Just to be clear, I always like to clarify that. Um, You know, a, a question that frequently comes up is, you know, you said you go outside of the normal sources to recruit, right? Like I was recruited into private security. I would have never thought to even look in this sector. So again, how do we make this more normal how do we get more women to see that oh i could apply my talents even if i don't have that military and law enforcement background to private security
1: well i think what's important is aligning yourself to the industry with the mentor somebody that will coach and sponsor and they can understand your experiences, your body of work, even if you don't have a traditional background in security. And a lot of times you get into an organization, maybe as a project manager or a program manager, and then you build uh, this additional skill set, and maybe you'll get some certificates, and then you can move your way up to a more traditional security position, such as a regional security manager uh, or executive protection uh, agent, an investigator. It is it has happened in my team and my organization. I've, I've seen it happen, and so I think ultimately, it's just getting exposure to the industry. But num- here's my number one piece of advice: you have to be patient. It's not going to happen overnight. It's a long-term deal. People in our industry do not leave uh, every other you know year. They they stick around for a while, and so it's going to take some time to to build that discipline, that body of work within an organization. And so patience, patience is key. That's why I tell a lot of the younger folks coming in, you've got time. You use, use that time wisely to build in within this uh, security, physical security discipline.
0: And, you know, speaking of people coming in and even, you know, not people coming in, people in the industry, you know, it's also valuable to find the right group to surround yourself with, right? Just as in anything with life. And I want to point out, you know, you must enjoy seeing these these newer groups come up. Um, I automatically always think of SVSG, Silicon Valley Security Group. It's it's a group of thought leaders that are bringing in people like yourself, you know, CSOs, heads of security programs to help mentor, right, to help be the mentor and to just interact and leave egos aside and interact and be able to bounce ideas and things off of each other. I mean, how nice is it to see these groups popping up all all over wanting to bring a new perspective of leave your macho-ness, be vulnerable, you know, air your concerns. It's safe.
1: I I totally endorse it. Um, I don't belong to that group because I'm up here in uh, Washington state, but I've heard of it. I heard a lot of great things about it. I think it's just the in-person version of what we've been doing on LinkedIn and social media during the pandemic where it yeah. brought people together in a virtual world environment, which I th- still think continues and it's of value because it's much easier to do to have a virtualized environment meeting. Of course, it's not as personal per- personal as being in person, which is the most ideal but reaching out to a broader group to talk about specific areas of interest uh is is so invaluable so i i think leveraging technology and to get uh, the message out also to record whatever you're talking about so others can gain value from it at a at a later time but uh i i do I agree that yeah. net that networking is invaluable
0: Um, What are some of the topics you would like to see discussed at security conferences in 2023?
1: Better partnerships, I would say, with uh, the cyber teams, uh, understanding how each group works. They're very different, very different disciplines, but... Coming together, uh, understanding the value that each brings to each other, I think that that's a uh, it's conversations that's going on now. But to continue that, but I would also recommend how do you better the relationships with law enforcement and government entities? Currently, today, if you're international company, uh, American international company, you have the Overseas Security Advisory Council from the U.S. State Department. That have councils all over the country councils all over the world. A lot of my team either chair those councils or they're they're a part of it. And it allows you to have this public-private partnership relationship. And it's all about safety and security and understanding how to to keep your um you know your employees safe and secure overseas. And on the state side, you have the domestic security alliance council run by the FBI, which is very similar, but it's for uh, the U- United States, but how do we continue to have those relationships at a localized level? Right. I'm not seeing that gel as much as I would I would like to see. There's fits and starts. There was one started up in the C- Seattle Greater Seattle Security Council, and it lasted maybe two years, and it just kind of petered out. We need to continue to have it from a, a grassroots perspective. This these uh, communication with the uh, public sector, private sector and the public sector, not when something major happens, but it just a continued dialogue. I, I would love to see that continue. Or if somebody has the, the model for that, I know, I know some chief security officers have great relationships with their um, counterparts in the cities that they operate, but I haven't seen it at scale.
0: Brian Flannery comes to mind. I, they do something like that in Oregon with the county uh, law enforcement and private security. So that that would be top of mind from the Pacific Northwest, I would say. You know, uh, he's with ATAP. You know, Brian?
1: Uh, yes, from, from ATAP.
0: Yeah, yeah. Association
1: of Threat Assessment Professionals.
0: Thank you for clarifying the acronym. I forget. Now, I am I must be getting used to the industry because now I'm speaking in only acronyms, which is uh, a funny part of being in security. When I first started, I had to write everything down and then research later. Because I'm like, what is that three letters? What do those four letters mean? Um, okay, can we please talk about your nonprofit?
1: Yeah, so I have a nonprofit. It's called Cop2Corporate. And it really started... When I moved over from the public sef- sector to the private sector, a lot of cops would just reach out to me and say, "Hey, how'd you do that? Like, I'm very intrigued on how you left to the private sector." So I'd have a phone call. I would have have lunch. I would meet the 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 officers, and after a while, I noticed I just kept saying the same thing over and over. I kept seeing the same questions and this this the same concerns that were coming from law enforcement officers. And then I believe it was 2014, I decided to just blog about it and put it out there so people can uh, just get information because it doesn't exist uh, at scale. Whereas the military, they have veteran groups, they have all types of resources that cops just don't have. And I felt if, if I can put something out there and encourage other former officers that are in the private sector to give information out there to help others transition, then it, it would be a great idea. I just got an email from someone today, and it was a very long summary of the value they found from the information that was on my site that they used to help get through uh, some very dark periods of being in law enforcement. A lot of law enforcement officers suffer from depression. I mean, the suicide rates are really high now. And just the stressors of that job, it's a hard job. And so it's okay, I'm trying to tell people, it's okay not to wanna be a cop anymore. And there is life after law enforcement. That's the name of my nonprofit, Cop to Corporate, Life After Law Enforcement. We need good men and women out there in policing, but if you're, if if you can't take it anymore, it it it's time to leave. This is what my nonprofit does. It just gives you information, and I'm not the only one doing this. There's hundreds of officers that are giving away, I call it paying it forward, uh, information to help others transition to the private sector successfully. There's thousands of us that are in the industry today that are thriving, and we just want to continue, continue that. Uh, and also note to corporations, take, take a chance on a, on a former cop or a police officer that, that's living, leaving mid-career. There's nothing wrong with them that they didn't retire. They just want a new experience. So try to change that mindset, too, in the cor- corporate world. Just because you leave the cops at 10 years doesn't mean you got fired or you got washed out. You just want to do something different. So changing that mindset is important for me.
0: And that's okay. And it's interesting you brought up the mental health because our podcast that is airing this week is actually about mental health post-military and the the real challenges and the suicides and the losses. And how do you know when you need treatment and what does that treatment look like? For some, it's not conventional therapy. So it's a that's and you might actually enjoy that podcast. I'll send you the link. Um so that's another important topic that we could talk about for hours. I do want to wrap this up with a, a, a lighter question. So what was your new year's resolution?
1: Well, obviously to get in better shape. You know, the, the go-to that I've been for the, the last, I don't know how many years.
0: 20 years is mine. 20 yes. years. I've been saying that.
1: But I, I think also being more uh, intentional and reflective as uh, I do, sit in an awesome position, but what what does the future bring for younger leaders uh, in in the organization and, and giving back? So that, that's kind of my uh, goals this year.
0: I love that. And, and thank you for all the advice you've provided me. You gave me some good advice that I actually acted on a year after. <laughs> so it's appreciated. And of course, I appreciate all of you for listening, watching. Brian, any final thoughts?
1: No, just thank you, Natasha, for what you're doing with your podcast, to getting uh, information out there to uh, people interested in the corporate security uh, and risk sector. So thank you for having me on your show.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. And you can check out more episodes like this one on TNGdefense.com, or you can just listen on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify. Thank you all. And welcome to 2023. Cheers to a good one, right? (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.